Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, real talk grounded in truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. In our last episode, you met Melissa Peak with Amazon Web Services. I'm sure that you were able to pick up on very quickly that Melissa truly wants to see women just like her grow and succeed in their workplaces, but at a healthy pace that brings true joy and fulfillment to them while also honoring God and the path that he's laid out for each of us. In this episode, Melissa and I wrap up our conversation by talking about why women take on tasks and responsibilities that we know are not meant for us. And Melissa walks through what a healthy planning and strategy session for your new year goals and plans could look like. Join Melissa and me as we pick up where we left off last time. Well, women have, I'll say this this way, a diverse pool of expectations that we have placed upon us. And sometimes those expectations are, you know, self-inflicted. And other times those expectations are just slapped on us by someone else. And we sometimes just put our head down and we just try to push through and meet expectations that, you know, we, we more than likely know deep down in our hearts, like, well, we're not ever going to be able to meet that expectation. I'd love to hear from you. Why do we do this? (laughs) Why is this common behavior? Uh, So I think it's a, your, your question of why Mm -hmm. is for me where self-assessment on this really needs to start. Why? First of all, identifying Sometimes we're doing things and we don't even know that we're Mm -hmm. trying to fulfill an expectation. We're just doing it. And so, again, going back to this, don't live an unexamined life. Really think about what's your like, what are you trying to do here? What's the what is priority here? Um, I have had to learn because I am somebody who I mean, I've had a my first job was when I was eight years old. I delivered newspapers. I had my first P&L at. 16. And um, so I've been a producer for a long time. I'm very good at working and doing and I enjoy that. Um, However, God has had to remind me I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. And so I think that expectations we put expectations on ourselves. We're always, I think we're always hardest on ourselves and anybody harder on ourselves than anybody else's. Um, but there's lots of subconscious and con- there's subconscious and conscious expectations. Um, I think it's an opportunity for negotiation. So mm-hmm. rather than just putting our head down and doing, which is, you know, a lot of us in our early career, that's kind of the mindset that we have. I was a first generation college student So, you know, early in my career, I really equated success with output. And the more harder I worked, the more the output. And that's how I gained professional momentum in the first 15 years of my career, to be honest, 10 to 15 years. But there becomes that becomes limiting. I mean, that's not sustainable. And so you just can't continue to do more and more and more. And so um, expectations are a good thing to talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. Personal talk, so journaling, what are my expectations of myself? Where do they come from? Do I actually agree with them? Um, Or am I just doing something that I was just kind of trained to do and I 
fell into the flow. Um, with our significant others, what are the expectations be between the two of us um, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually? What are we expecting from each other? And where is there an expectation that needs to be reexamined? Um, and there's mm -hmm. certainly with different phases of life, having those discussions. So when my husband and I have five children, before we had kids, we didn't really need to talk as intentionally about expectations for getting, well, we didn't need to talk at all about whose job is it to get the kids ready for school in the morning and get them to school? Whose job is it at night to do homework? Whose job is it? Um, and so I find a lot of people, especially women, I talk to a lot of women and, you know, they're doing things and I hear things like my husband's helping me with the kids. My husband's helping me with the house, um, which mm -hmm. makes me a bit crazy because it's not your, it's not only your house. So it's not only your kids. Like there should be some, like, why is it all your job and somebody else is kind of the assistant? No, mm -hmm. those are really important conversations to have. Um, but I, and I also think that there's this just, from a women in business perspective, there's some really unhealthy dialogue that has made women feel like if they aren't doing certain things, if they don't look a certain way, if their family doesn't look a certain way, that they're not relevant, that they're not mm -hmm. valued in this society. And I think this goes for working women as well as women who are staying home, which I think is an equally difficult job. Um, and so I would just say, you know, again, Jesus is a great example here. He did not allow other people's expectations to be his guide. He mm -hmm. said, I only do what my father tells me to do. So this goes back to us really getting to what is, who are we? What has God mm -hmm. put us here to do? And not allowing other things to get piled on. And that means oftentimes getting really good at saying no. But if you don't understand why you're saying no, which the why you would say no to things is because you have a very clear vision of what is great. So good is the enemy mm -hmm. of great. Good to great, right? So good is the enemy of great. There's a lot of good things we could be doing. However, if we are diminishing our impact by trying to do all the things, mm -hmm. we get to great. Or we get to great in maybe one area, but not in the areas that are important to us. So should should be a red flag. If the moment mm -hmm. we think I should do that, I should be doing that, I should be better at that, um, it's a good opportunity to just check ourselves and think, okay, really? Should I really be? Um, or it, um, is it, is this, is this a priority for me? So if something is a priority, then the, the verbiage internally is, this is a priority for me. I'm going to make it happen. Not mm. I'm going to do this because I should, because yeah. I should would indicate to me I'm following somebody else's mindset for my life. Um, it's not a priority for me. And the final thing I'll say about that is that Jesus leads us, Satan drives us. 
So Mm. when we're being led, then that, you know, Jesus said, I've come, they may have life and have it to the full. When we are being led, we, even though we might be highly active, there may be a lot of things happening. We have peace. When we're allowing ourselves to be driven by our own pride or by our own sense of who we should be, which oftentimes is tied to pride, um, that is when we feel ang- that is when that brings anxiety, that brings mm-hmm. frustration. That's when we feel disoriented because we are not grounded um, on with by the leadership that comes from the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so sometimes for me, that's a check for me when I am. I mean, this is a this is one of the areas where I pick up my cross daily. This I do not have this mm-hmm. figured out, but when I feel at the end of the day, after a long day and I kind of winding down and I feel anxious and I feel mm. emotional, emotional turmoil for me, it's a good indicator to just check. Okay. How did this day go? What did I do throughout this day? That is, that brought me this anxiety or that left me with this emotion. And lots mm. of times it's because I've gotten caught up with, with, uh, internal thinking that's not serving me. Like, what is that person? That person probably thought really badly of me in that meeting or, um, Oh, I failed. I, I can't believe Mm -hmm. I went in there and didn't and failed. Or my kids are, my kids are going to fail in life because Mm -hmm. I missed that homework assignment. So we, we create internal catastrophes, which aren't real. Um, but anyway, those are great moments to just check ourselves and think, Hmm. Mm -hmm this isn't the Holy spirit. Um, so let me just pause and kind of unload some of this because I'm not going to take this drama with me into the next day. And, you know, part of what you said, uh, when you spoke about feeling, we don't want to be invaluable mm-hmm. in the workplace. I think that's one of those things that it's almost like an unspoken thing that women in the workplace, especially the higher up you get, you know, you don't, we feel like we have to keep proving ourselves or, Mm. you know, we don't want to show any kind of a weakness, even though we're just killing ourselves, you know, with working, we don't want to quit or we don't want to have something fail because then, you know, oh, I'm just proving their point of, I can't do this. Um, You know, and I, unfortunately, I think that is still something that's going on. And again, it it goes back to the unrealistic expectations. Um, So, I mean, is there a simple and maybe effective, I mean, obviously effective, it needs to be effective. (laughs) Is there a way that you can walk out from under unrealistic expectations and find a new and healthier path without that feeling of we're weak or we've failed? You know, it's a, it's a good question. I think I'm, Uh, some perspective that I've gained. If you look at people, so think about the people that you would view as most successful. Mm -hmm. Um, People that have a friend who, you know, a lot of friends, but I think of one, I think of a friend who, you know, she's had an amazing career. She's, an attorney. She's now, I think on six corporate boards. She was CEO a couple of times. Um, just an amazing woman. And she's just been a dear friend to me for probably a decade now. Mm. And 
I don't see her, although she and I have talked about this. This is something that she has to, it's a constant, it's, it's a constant job. She's not trying to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is checking our mental model. So if our mental model is I am only valuable because of my productivity, mm-hmm. we are always going to be stuck in that rat race of being a doer. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, that's a lot of what differentiates individual contributors and middle management from executives. The shift Mm -hmm. to executive, and not everybody wants to make that shift, but the shift to executive is getting things done through others. In addition to having big thinking, there's, you know, executive presence, but in the way of working, executives are very good at setting a vision and very good at getting things done through others. They Mm -hmm. do work hard. Getting things done through others is a lot of work. Um, Similar. It's the same amount of work as getting things done themselves, but their impact is greater because Mm -hmm. they're not caught. They're not limited by what they themselves can produce. So they've mm-hmm. made a shift in their skill development that occur that is required here, but they've made a shift from being an individual producer to creating an environment around them where more is getting done at a high quality level. And so I think that the, for the person, if I was mentoring somebody who feels like, you know, they're not going to think I'm valuable at work if I'm not catching all the things I would recommend mm-hmm book called Rise by Patty um, Azzarello, I believe is her last name, but it's called Rise. And she makes a comment that if you build a brand for yourself of being the doer, it's going to be really hard for you to ever pivot out of that. And if Mm. you already built that brand, um, you have to take some intentional steps if you ever want to elevate. But you, you have to tell yourself, you're you're not going to be able to elevate past the point of your own thinking about yourself. And so we have to switch our thinking and recognize that productive and valuable doesn't equal doing all the things. Productive is really about choosing the critical few. What are the critical few things that are going to create the biggest impact and focusing time and attention there. And then in, tell your boss about them. I've been doing some analysis on here's what I'm seeing. Here's my observation on what are the these, – these things I'm seeing, two or three, are the biggest areas where if I put time and energy, we can – it's going to bring the best result for the business. Do you agree? So, again, it's a negotiation conversation, calibration with your boss. And then if other other things come, if other things are assigned, then you can go back and say, okay, I am more than happy to take on this piece of work. So we talked about these three priorities were the greatest impact priorities. Which of these three would you like me to deprioritize to make time to do this other thing? And one, it remind your leader of the commitment and the conversation that has been had around the priorities. But it also creates a mutually accountable accountable situation 
uh, for decision making and prioritizing and reprioritizing so that your list does is not always getting longer. You're negotiating to keep your list at a size where you can have high impact, but it's in areas where you have negotiated together with the leaders around you. In your life, what is the worst expectation that you had placed on you and how did you handle that? No, I actually actively resist expectations being placed on me, to be honest. Or maybe they are placed on me, but I just don't internalize them. Um, You know, I've I've learned to set boundaries very quickly. So um, there's been lots of times, especially in my – now it even happens today, which is – not, to, not in my current role, but within the past three or four years, this has happened. So I think as women, many times we go into a situation and the expectation is that we're going to pick up the administrative tasks where there's, there's still um, bias that we deal with. And then so um, I'll very quickly nip that in the bud and, and say, OK, so we're going to rotate responsibilities for note taking. Um, who's going to yeah. take this week? <laughs> um but I think that probably the most damning expectations have been expectations I've placed on myself and they mm-hmm. are that I'm going to get it right every time that I, that there's no tolerance for less than perfect, that I always have to be the one to pull the rabbit out of the hat. Um, that other people's happiness is my responsibility. Um, that my team's motivation at work is my responsibility. I think those are all things. Yes, we can have influence in those areas, but um, I'm not God. I can't act if I put expectations on myself that are really only things that that God's going to be able to do, um, or that somebody needs to work through for themselves. Then I'm putting undo it's putting myself in a role in a position where I'm inflating my sense of significance in other people's in other people's lives so I've gotten really good at defining what's in my sphere of control and what's not in my sphere of control and placing my time and energy on things that are in my sphere of control um, being encouraging um, where I can uh, but sometimes that also means being encouraging to myself because mm. lots of, I'm oftentimes really great to other people and not so great to myself. And I feel like a lot of us are guilty of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's just, it is what it is sometimes. And well, that's why yeah, it's really good I, to have people around that. us who will say, you know, you wouldn't yeah. say that to me. Why are you saying that to yourself? So it's good to have people around yeah. us who will call mm-hmm. us out of that type of behavior. All right, so we've talked about planning, creating a strategy that caters to your strengths, uh, and learning to not operate out of fear or keep ourselves under the weight of those unrealistic expectations. So what I'd love to do now, let's flip from surviving to thriving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does a healthy planning and strategy session for a new year look like for Christian working women? Well, it incorporates some of the things we've already talked about. So first of all, assessing 
and what, what some of us know it, some of us don't, but getting to clarity on who am I? So, yeah. you know, starting with a bit of a brainstorming session, finish right at the top of the paper. I am, and then write down every word that comes to your mind without judgment mm-hmm. and things that you just write it out, get it all out, then go back and review what on that paper is serving you and what on that paper is not serving you. What on that paper is true based on what God says about you. What on that paper is not true. And so you're going to, we're going to, we all have things that we believe about ourselves that we have to retrain where we have to retrain ourselves. Um, I've, the way I've done that in the past is by pulling scripture that speaks truth into that situation. So I, you know, I'm a loser. I am less than I am not, I'm not uh, there. Certainly a per, I mean, I think personal body image is always an interesting topic. There's certainly been a lot of times in my life where I would have said I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm, you know, we're so unkind to ourselves and I have to go back and say, no, I'm a co-heir with Christ. Mm. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm loved. Um, I also don't have to do it all myself. Jesus said, my burden is heavy. My burden is light. So anyway, I think that's the first thing, just getting, having a little bit of a self-assessment on what am I telling myself about myself and where corrections Mm. need to be made, make them. Uh, The second thing is, you know, then look to the future. So what is it that brings us joy? And what is it that you feel like you feel excited about? You feel energized about? Now, I don't personally buy into the, you know, find your passion and you'll never work a day in your life. For me, I mean, everybody's a bit different there. I actually did some analysis a few years ago. Um, I put I surveyed a group of people. I asked them, what percentage of your work day do you need to be spend? Do you need to spend doing things uh, that you feel like that you feel passionate about in order for your job to be fulfilling? And my assumption going into that was that the more seasoned employees that responded were going to say, you know, if 25% of what I get to do, I'm passionate about, then I think the job's fulfilling. And that the earlier career individuals were going to be more idealistic. What I found mm-hmm. was across the board, it was very subjective. So hmm. almost there was almost equal representation in the 25% of my time needs to be spent doing something I'm passionate about for my job to be fulfilling 25 to 50, 50 to 75, 75 to 100. Almost equal representation from participants. And in all four of those buckets, there were early career, mid-career, and executives. So for Mm -hmm. me, that was very insightful that careers really do need to be bespoke. And choosing what those goals look like really do need to be customized by the person, shedding what any lens of what they should be doing. so really think about what's that vision if you for people who ha- are married or who have significant others, getting them involved in that process and kind of making it a little bit fun and then working backwards. OK, in order to achieve that goal, what's my in the next year, 
breaking it down into chapters in the next year, what does success look like? And that may be where you write a letter to yourself a year down the road and you put some of those things in there. What about the next two or three years? Um, for me, I've got some 10 year goals. I've got some five year goals and then we've got more short term goals. And some of them are just personal that I don't talk to my spouse about. And some of them I do share. Um, that has really, um, that, along with really understanding my personal strengths, that type of rhythm has helped me make decisions on jobs I am and I'm not going to take. Companies I do not want to, I do and do not want to work with or for. It's how we make a lot of decisions because it creates a framework where you can bump choices up against you can say okay this choice if I make this choice is it helping me accomplish that goal or am I sacrificing a short-term win for long-term gain and in that situation you can make a decision what you're going to do but at least you make a decision sometimes there are moments where you just need to take a job you need to do something because you need to do it but put some parameters around it so it's not forever recognize this is meeting a specific need I'm going to do this understanding why you're doing it, um, it puts you in a position where you're making a choice. You're choosing what you're going to do. I think choice is the ultimate luxury. Anything that we're doing where we don't feel like we have choice and we're stuck, uh, for me, that is the epitome of, um, I think that's slavery. Anything you're doing where you don't have choice, I would question, oh, you that's not what God intended for you. So mm. we may to cho- we may choose to do things we don't always love, but at least we chose to be there. And so getting helping us create a help, creating a framework that helps us make decisions um, to create to hit those long term goals and put us in the position of choice. Um, one final comment I'll make there. I hear you know lots of people say I just want to do what God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. You know. That's such a, I, I, well, I, I understand that. Um, God gave each one of us free will on purpose. Mm-hmm. And so waiting for some master plan to get downloaded is not, it's not feasible. It's not realistic. And that's also not how God created us. He created us as thinking people who can make decisions. He's given us natural talents and desires and dreams and aspirations. He did that on purpose. So it's okay to make a decision. It's okay to say, I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't, I don't like that food. I don't want to go there. That's okay. Um, And, that's, that's, you know, be empowered to decide what is and is not going to work for you because Jesus sure did. And we can get, we can follow his example. Mm. Well, we have talked about so many good things. <laughs> this has been just a packed couple of episodes and I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. And thank you for sharing all of the wisdom that you have shared. What I would like to do as we come to the end of this episode and of our conversation with you this month and I, and I share this with you beforehand, so I hope I'm not putting you on the spot too much. But, you know, for me personally, and I feel like probably for a few people listening, the power and the convenience of a good one-liner motivational quote <laughs> is just like chef's kiss. You love it. It's, it's so great. It gets you through your day. If it's hard, you know, you remember that and go, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> but if you can, what one-line quote 
would you come up with to kind of wrap up our discussion that we've had and help women really remember what you would think and identify as like the most important thing to take away from these two episodes? I, uh, I don't really have a quote that I think incorporates everything. So what I'll do is I'll (laughs) share with you a quote that I have carried with me. It's a life, Mm -hmm. it's a lifelong quote that I have carried with me. Um, It's from Wayne Gretzky. So I'm Canadian and Wayne Gretzky is a Canadian hockey player, was a Canadian hockey player. And he made the quote, he um, won a lot of awards for goals earned. And he made the quote, have a bias for action. You miss 100% of the shots you never take. So that is, that's been a lifelong quote for me. And, uh, you know, I think that when we're moving forward, when we are seeking and being thinking, thinking intentionally about um, who God's made us and what he's got us here to do, um, he can he can steer us. He can guide us. He can redirect us. But if we're not taking any shots, if we're frozen because we think we have to make the perfect decision, uh, it's really hard for 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 much of anything to happen because we're not in motion. So. Don't worry about it being right always. Don't worry about it being perfect always. Um, lean into the adventure and have a bias for action because you miss 100% of the shots that you never take. Are you ready to walk into this new year with a healthy and God-honoring plan and realistic and life-giving goals? I hope that Melissa's wisdom and story were helpful to you. I know that I had such a wonderful time getting to talk with her. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N dot org slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave a review. Your review will help more people discover Work, Love, Pray, so your feedback is greatly appreciated. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.